da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Showtime. All right, we know Brian Gill has been waiting for this episode for a long time, and if you know me and you listen to my uh, Scott Stapp podcast, you know I'm <laughs> down with anything Creed related. So <laughs> this is no exception to that rule. And, um, I'm six feet feet from the edge, and I'm thinking maybe six. You know, feet. guys, maybe so six down. feet yeah. ain't so far down. Yeah, no, I know. I'm saying it for years. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Hold me now. Well, we just had to get that out of the way. It's inevitable. You can't can't do a podcast and talk Creed 2 without a Creed yeah, 2. Yeah, we can't get, get it out of the way. And, and I don't mean to be crude, nor do I mean to bring the band into this, but how greased are both of your nipples right now <laughs> as we record this podcast? I'm wearing a shirt that's also like a net. Like <laughs> yeah, mesh, mesh yeah. tank. Mesh tank. Same. Yeah. Same. And my hair is spiked right. as well. My black Brian, jeans are cut like all over the place, just in nice. very, very cool. strategic patterns. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've got pyrotechnics going on in my my office as well. Yeah, as we yeah. you know that's your sacrifice, so, Brian, and we're willing right. to, <laughs> right. to move on. Right. So if okay. I go mute for a few minutes, it's just it's just the burns. Don't worry, I will. Yeah. Uh, I'll be back. It's fine. No, Brian, and when you come back, you'll definitely. I would say we'll, we'll take this podcast you. higher. We'll welcome you with arms wide open. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. What if I'm For a faceless sure. man? Mm. Oh, okay. Wow, deep Yeah, cut. you know the deep cuts, so I don't know that one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Creed 2. Um, this was one Creed, the movie, we were hoping they would do a sequel to, and we were right on with wanting it to happen and it being big. <laughs> All the sequels. Keep it coming. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I definitely think there are movies that should not have sequels. This was a it was just a reboot, soft reboot of Rocky, whatever you want to call it, with Creed that I thought worked really well, better than anyone had kind of anticipated or expected it to. Thanks partially to Ryan Coogler and and you know he's gone on to bigger and better things in a lot of ways with Black Panther, and good for him. But um, this was a it was you know one of the surprises of that year. And um, I was I was very happy when they announced that Creed two would in fact happen. I didn't know how close to Rocky they would make it, or mirror Rocky, or if Sly would even be involved this time around. Um, locally, he was, but uh, but nonetheless, this was a sequel unlike a lot of sequels that I thought would we needed, and uh, I, w- I wanted to see this story continue. So, but I'm, I'm glad that it did. Um, we are talking a lot of movies this week. I'm mad about movies. We we talked Widows. That episode should be out now if you've seen Widows and want to hear that conversation. We were joined by a friend of the show, Rachel, to talk that one. Good times. Also doing Wreck-It Ralph talk this week. And in the VIP, we just released an episode on Who Framed Roger Rabbit for its 30th anniversary. Wow. And we, we answer the question, was it really that good or are we all just distracted by Jessica Rabbit? Yes, we answered that question in the VIP. So head on over to that feed if you uh, if you so please. But uh, lots to talk about tonight. We've got some movie news. Of course, we're doing our review of Creed 2, and we've got weekly recommends on the horizon after that. So, Brian, do you have a, a movie news item or two to uh, to bring us? Because I definitely have a few. You go. You lead off, my friend. Lead off. All right, so... Um, Lion King trailer. 
kind of mm. blew up the uh, – I was working the Cowboy game on Thanksgiving, sitting in the studio, and during our broadcast of the game, they decided to debut the Lion King trailer out of <laughs> completely nowhere, which I thought was genius when they know everybody in America almost is, has just finished lunch and is sitting around their TV in a food coma. Uh, I thought that was genius to get the whole family aspect of it hyped up and get it trending on Twitter very fast. Uh, I believe it set records for the highest viewed Disney trailer of all time. I don't know if it's the highest viewed trailer like in 24 hours or whatever it was of all time, but uh, I know it was the highest Disney trailer of all time, which uh, begs the question, um, they're just going to do the Lion King? <laughs> like when they announce these things, I'm like, oh, oh, cool. Yeah, it's a great story. I can't wait to see how they spin that. But I don't need it to be frame by frame, like a copy, like exactly the same shots, exactly, you know, just in quote unquote live action. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, but I love John Favreau. I'm, um, I like The Lion King, but. You know, kind of how I felt with Beauty and the Beast. It's going to be very hard, in my opinion, to improve on an already perfect movie. And um, this will definitely make Buku's of money and be very successful and probably be very well-received and all that. But um, it's just, uh, you know, I the, the, the movie critic in me, I guess, kind of hopes for, like, you know, a different spin on it, if you mm. will. Kind of what they ended up doing with... The Jungle Book and even Cinderella, they, they didn't do frame by frame the original movie like they did with Beauty and the Beast. It was like the, the opening sequence was almost exactly the same, right? And people have already mashed up the uh, trailer for this and like the shots from The Lion King that it mirrors. And they're – like I said to you guys, I said John Favreau must have been really stoked when he realized this entire movie was storyboarded for him already. It's <laughs> like, all right, we'll just do that. Okay, great. And no, I'm sure they'll he'll take liberties as a filmmaker, but um, I want to hear y'all's excitement for this, um, and uh, see if you're as excited as I am for The Lion King in July 19th of this yeah. year or next year. Yeah, big Lion King fan. Yeah, yeah, can't wait. Love The Lion King. One of the one of the favorites around here. I think the music for The Lion King is the best of any Disney movie. Uh, and it's just such a great story. I'm, I'm going to take a slightly different tack. Like I I've seen the, is it just a shot for shot remake? I, I'm going to lean towards Ken. I may be, I may be proven completely wrong on this. I feel like this is the perfect strategy to put this out there in a, you put this teaser out there. It looks incredible. You just play on the nostalgia and the music and all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, your next trailer, you start to see some of the differences. I know they have, like they cast Amy Sedaris yesterday in a, in a role that doesn't previously exist in you know in the first Lion King. So I don't think it's going to be just shot for shot. Maybe it's going to be closer than people want it to be. Um, but, but I also think the visuals are going to be so stunning, and the just the the Lion King is so much emotion driven. There's so much in it that's just um, makes you feel great or makes you like super cry and stuff. I mean, it's, it's so perfect in that sense. And I, I think we're going to come out being, even if it is closer to a shopper shot remake than we might actually want. I feel like we're all going to come out being like, wow, but that was impressive. Like that was really good. So I, I think this is the, I think this is a, actually a really smart. That could be strategy. a good swerve job by the, uh, yeah. yeah, by just like, let's 
let's trick everybody and let's do it shot for shot in the first trailer and then the next one or when the actual movie comes out. Like if this movie doesn't open with the sun sunrise and circle of life and that whole sequence, I feel like there's going to be a lot of people that are angry. So I feel like that's definitely yeah. going to happen. Definitely. And then from there on, I have no idea. With no idea if they're doing just can't wait to be king and all those sun be prepared and all those tracks, you know. Um maybe they will. You know, they 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 didn't do it like that in the jungle book. They kind of took some of the, you know, the bare necessities and kind of redid that in their in a fun way and and with King Louie and all that. I liked I liked how they went about that stuff. But like I said, with Beauty and the Beast, it was just we're just gonna do that. And like I said, mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast is the only Disney animated movie to be nominated for Best Picture. And like I said, you, it's hard to improve on something that's already perfect. And in my opinion, they did not do that. But uh, with here, I think there is room for you know exploring the story a little bit more. Of course, the wilderness and all that is, is hard to do in animation, so that'll be better. But kind of the sense that I get, it's like, okay, the uh, the Jungle Book had Mowgli, right? And uh, and some puppet actors, I think, on it. This is going to mm-hmm. be no human um, in the movie, and so they're basically remaking an animated movie with a higher quality animated yeah. movie. <laughs> it's just like it's animated, but it looks real. You know, it's just like animation has gotten so advanced that you can make things look photo real, right. and right. that's going to swerve a lot of people too. I think they're expecting this evil quote-unquote live act or people are stoked about a live action lion king when in fact it's 100 percent animated um Mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting next year to see if this gets any buzz for best animated film or if they try to push this for best picture or something like that or or you know how it's going to qualify for what they're going to the the academy is going to qualify this as animation or not i'll be very interested to see if they do um but if you're going to, you know, nominate something like Rango that was 100% CG but used a- actor motion capture and in mm-hmm. uh, kind of stand-ins and things like that that were humans, I think they would qualify. But let's just let's just all say we know Toy Story 4 is winning everything next year, so it really doesn't <laughs> even matter what other animated movies come out in 2019. But um, Disney is pushing out a lot of these movies, which we talked about uh, already, a lot of these remakes. And uh, and they've got some Marvel movies coming out. They've got a Star Wars movie coming out next, uh, next, I believe, Christmas, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And, uh, and this will be a, another very successful year. they got Avengers 4, of course, and um, this is just going to add to it. You've got, you've got Dumbo, you've got Aladdin – you got Toy Story yeah. four, and you've got this all before July. And then, <laughs> Disney's going to make like fifty billion dollars next year. Their box office is going to be insane. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then they got this Artemis Fowl movie that they just debuted today yeah. for some reason. Hey, seriously, is that is that a thing for y'all? Was that was that book series? You know what? When I saw the when I saw the book? title, I thought it was like <laughs> this. Sounds really funny. I thought it was like Foghorn Leghorn's like kid, <laughs> you know, like his his like nephew. Like, awesome, awesome, yeah. Mm-hmm. Artemis, get over here, Artemis Fowl. Um, <laughs> I'll say, get over here. Um, no, I mean, you know, 
It's not a big deal for me. I didn't, okay. I didn't know about it. Kenny I, I Branagh was doing it though, who I really sure. respect, and sure, I don't know. I that I remember that book series, but I couldn't remember. My brother is y'all's age. I couldn't remember if it was my brother or my sister who was the uh, the reader of those those books of that series. It does seem a little bit late to be uh putting this out there there's gonna i don't be, know we're gonna be hit what over the head with the yeah we're gonna be hit over the head with so much disney by then i just think people are gonna be like oh some other disney movie for us to see you know this year i i it just surprises me they it you know what honestly surprises me about this whole thing and richard we'll get your thoughts on lion king uh after this but it surprises me that if they're going the route of the disney renaissance is back right we're just gonna do all those movies again why are they playing their best cards now? Why are they doing Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King as like some of the first movies? Like, wouldn't you save like ones you know people love and that are good? Wouldn't you do Pocahontas and Mulan and a Hunchback remake and those before you would like pull out? Because The Lion King's the ultimate, yeah. right? I think I would go the opposite. I think it's smarter to get these, to put some of the big ones up front. Now, it's weird to me that Aladdin and. Uh, the Lion King or same year. That seems that seems short-sighted. I, I would feel like I would want to spread those two out. And I know Mulan is 2020, and there's another one I think that's been out. Regardless, I I would put Aladdin and Little Mermaid's Lion been King. in the works forever. But yeah, I think I, they're I, just. I would spread those out, but I think you need to. I think it's like you kind of need to prove from that, that James is... Cameron camera for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you need to prove that these are viable options at at the box office, and I don't think that. I mean, look, you've seen Jungle Book made a lot of money. Beauty and the Beast made a ridiculous sum of money. Cinderella did okay. Is there another one I'm forgetting? Uh, regardless, they're, they're doing well. Cinderella? But I think you, did you say that? Yeah, one? yeah, I did. I, I did okay. That Sleeping, one didn't do quite they as did, well. did uh, Maleficent was kind of. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I would say do this. Again, I'd spread out these two big ones. But do do these because I don't know that, you know, like, the great mouse detective live action is going to bring in so much money and you're, it may end up being a thing where that concept becomes less viable. I don't know. I, I, like I said, I would spread out these, these two big ones if it was me, but, uh, but otherwise I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that anyone is going to get it stoked about whatever a hunchback Notre Dame live action remake as they will about even the people who are cynical about like, well, it's just a, you know, it's a shot for shot remake are probably going to go see the movie, you know, and get pretty stoked about it once it comes around. Cause it's, I don't know. It, it's such a, it's kind of ingrained into us. I don't know that there's that much. I don't know that it's worth doing some of these other remakes, you know? Yeah, it does. It's like, a, how stoked are you going to be for Maleficent two after like all these, you know, it's like, really? Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Richard, what did you think of the jungle book trailer? Lion King. I mean, uh, yeah, the Lion King. Sorry. Yeah, no, it was it was really cool. It was hard to tell the, um, you know, they hired all these big name performers, and at least in the shots we got, you can't. That motion capture just seems like you could have done it with animation. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it doesn't really look like any of these people. So I'm interested to see as I'm sure they're teasing it, how mm -hmm. that motion capture really pulls it off because the trailer is looks like straight CGI. It doesn't. Yeah, look... I think the method that uh, that Favreau used wasn't really. Or, I mean, for the Jungle Book, wasn't like mocap. Like he actually had like a like Jim Henson's puppeteers doing like a puppet of Bagheera or whatever, 
that looked like mm-hmm. Bagheera, you know, like doing the actual – and then they would like sync the mouth like perfectly with Idris Elba after the fact, right? Um, and so it wasn't really like Idris Elba doing the motion capture. It's like kind of similar to what they did with Smog and The Hobbit. Remember they had Benedict Cumberbatch like actually like doing the facial expressions of it and everything? I don't think it's yeah. that far. I think really I think they made the movie and then they're just doing Pixar style and they're just tacking the voices on after the fact. Yeah, is... the only thing that's weird is that everyone was in one place for filming. That's what I didn't understand. I mean we'll see when the actual movie comes. I don't want to judge that. Yeah, the I think there are scenes that are like with, for example, Donald Glover and – and uh, you know, Timon and Pumbaa. I think those kind of ones you want them together so they can interact. Right. But uh, wh- why would you add Amy Sedaris this late in the game, right? Unless you needed a you had a character that you needed a voice for. Um, Beyonce signed on. They're very actually late bringing well. in the Strangers with Candy Jerry. Oh. Strangers with Candy is in the film, <laughs> so that'll be great. <laughs> I wonder who they're getting to play the hyenas. Have they announced that. Yeah, I think it has been. I'll, I'll look it up. Aziz Ansari needs to be one of them. Also, yeah, I don't think like you can have one of the hyenas in 2018 be just mentally challenged. Like, remember that was one of the. Yeah, definitely not. Ed oh, it was it's, just like yeah. slow. You know, there was always like a weird mentally challenged thing yeah. with 90s movies, you know, that, that, that was <laughs> right. like a bit yeah. instead of like not an quite actual thing that people deal with, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't think you can do that now. I think Keegan Michael Key is one of them. Oh, uh, I think Bonsai, I believe, is one of the hyena names, and Florence uh, Kasumba is another one, I believe. So that's a good. And, and Eric Andre is the uh, is Ed this time. Is he really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Let's let's see how they go about that. But uh, John Oliver, like I said, is Zazu is geniusness. Um, that's perfect. Uh, James Earl Jones, Billy Mufasa. Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen, I, get, I think, will be good. Shua a GF4 GF is a great scar. He's got such a great voice. I'm I'm stoked, man. I really am. I think it looks it, – it's going to be very good. And it's going to make all of the money. Somebody I follow, let me think of who uh, – I think Pamela McClintock, who's a uh, Hollywood reporter, I think for THR, she, she said that she had talked to uh, several executives about this and that one of the like somebody at a rival studio said that he thought that this had a chance of being the highest grossing film of all time. So just like he th- he seriously thought this might surpass uh, Avatar. Holy moly! As, uh, so Maybe. what is that? Two, I think it has international five, appeal for sure. Oh, big time! Big time! Yeah, I think it'll be well done. I trust Favreau with this. What if it's just awful? What if it's just like <laughs> it's just dog wow. crap? Really? Just, yeah. It's so crap. funny. Like, it's Everybody's original. just kids are just leaving, bawling their eyes out. Like, why did they do that to Zimba? Um, okay, so the other live action movies that were coming out from Disney very soon, March twenty seventh of twenty twenty is Mulan. That's very uh, far along, I believe, in production. Um, that was what, originally stated for next year too. And yeah, they seem like they're taking next year off completely. Like, why would you not? I mean, not next year. Twenty twenty is pretty bare. Actually, yeah. no. Yeah, they got Maleficent and and uh, Mulan in that year. But this there's like seven this year. You would think they mm-hmm. would, you would spread that out. Yeah, Aladdin Thanks. seems like one that you would save too. Mm-hmm. Then, unless they're just like, all right, well, who is it making Guy Ritchie or something? All right, if this yes. sucks, it's it's okay, you know, because we got Lion King <laughs> and we got Toy Story coming out like three weeks later or something crazy like that. Um, 
so yeah, Mulan, then we got Maleficent 2 in May of 2020, a couple months later. Um, the release date, TBA, we've got Lady and the Tramp they're doing. Uh, it stars Tessa Thompson, Justin Theroux, Kiersey Clemens. Yeah, it's directed that's the by girl Charlie Bean. Heart, hearts Beat Loud, Kiersey Clemens, the girl. Oh yeah, she's great. Um, but that does not need to exist. That's not one we need, I feel like, Lady and the Tramp remake. It's but by the director of me. Lego Ninjago movie, Charlie mm. Bean. Um, then we just had announced a couple of weeks ago that they're doing Pinocchio. Uh, Paul mm. King attached to direct. Jack Thorne and Chris Weitz um, are going to write it, and that is a um, that is a TBA. And uh, Paddington and Paddington Two is what Paul King did before mm. that. Um, they also Big are Paddington doing Paddington guy. Yeah, Paddington's <laughs> greatness. Um, then they've got a quote unquote Prince Charming movie. From Cinderella, they're making that into its own thing with Stephen Chbosky attached to mm-hmm. direct okay. from Perks of Being a Wallflower and Wonder fame. Okay. And then uh, we've got – this is very strange um, – Oliver Twist that they're redoing. Oh. This one is attached with Ice Cube <laughs> and <laughs> – by it's directed by the guy that did Hamilton, Tommy, Tommy and Kale, uh, mm-hmm. doing this. Okay. So Ice Cube is playing Fagin from Oliver and Company. Mm. And then okay. we, um, after that, I didn't know this was Disney, but I guess so. James and the Giant Peach remake. Um, Sam Mendes in talks to direct. That, <laughs> oh no! Very weirdly. All right, just go ahead and nix that one all together. Right. Let's, let's not do that. My kid does not need yeah, to see Kevin Spacey does not need to be in James and the Giant Peach. It's not Gosh. All right. Um then this one is for sure happening happening um Cruella starring Emma Stone yeah. Yeah. as Cruella yeah. DeVille, kind of a prequel Cruella, Cruella DeVille movie, which I think is a good idea. Yeah. Um then we have a prequel Tinkerbell movie starring Reese Witherspoon as Tinkerbell. And uh, it was attached with uh, Elizabeth Banks as Tinkerbell, but now it's Reese Witherspoon and the Finding Dory screenwriter Victoria Strauss is writing it, and um, it's going to be I guess Peter Peter Pan Tinkerbell backstory stuff. And then we move to release date TBA, David Lowry's Peter Pan, which is now uh, we're talking, which is still in the developmental stage. I I. Uh, Last we heard, but we loved Peach Dragon and all things David Lowry, and that one I've got circled. I was Peter Pan was my number one, my number one Disney movie until probably uh, The Lion King, Home on the Range, yeah, yeah, um, Treasure Planet, um, <laughs> The Sword in the Stone. They're redoing it looks like as well. Yeah. Uh, Juan Carlos Fresnadillo um, is tw- from Twenty Eight Weeks Later <laughs> is directing that. And that one of the writers from Game of Thrones doing the screenplay. <laughs> it's going to be so Codman. dark. Yeah. And then uh, Lilo and Stitch, they're making into a, a full live action thing as well. My um, kid loves Lilo and Stitch. I hate Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. I'm very anti Lilo and Stitch. It's uh, going to be produced by the people who are doing Aladdin currently. Um, mm. It still says cast TBA on this Little Mermaid movie. But I could have sworn that Chloe Grace Moretz was cast as Ariel a while ago, wasn't she? I feel like I remember that, but I also feel like I remember that got nixed at some point. So 
Well, they're probably uh, just testing the waters uh, with, uh, with Aquaman, with the whole underwater movie type thing. Like, let's just see how that does, and if people buy that, then we'll get pretty, on it. Pretty um, but Alan Menken is returning to write songs for that, apparently, with Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's also mm-hmm. going to be a producer on it. So if we get some new songs from Lin-Manuel, that could be cool. Um, they also have a Snow White movie here set. Just plain old Snow White. Um, the songwriters that did The Greatest Showman and La La Land are attached to write some songs for it. And the producers of Into the Woods are um, producing it. So, okay. That's so interesting. I've named every Disney movie, I think. <laughs> Song of the South? Are they read? No, I'm just kidding. Not about Luke. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess we're, these things are here to stay. And um, we just kind of have to deal with them. If they're not our thing, that's fine. If they are. And that's great too. I've been kind of 50 50 on the ones that have come out so far. Really enjoyed um, Snow White and the Huntsman, actually. That wasn't really Disney, but that was a similar kind of thing. I liked that and I liked Cinderella. It wasn't wasn't so much a fan of Beauty and the Beast and uh, and some of the other. What was the other one that we did? Jungle Book. Jungle Book. Jungle I actually Book. did like Jungle Book. Yeah. I, I, I love that Jungle one Book. a lot. So. Yeah, that's been my thing. I had a couple of friends that were grumpy about Lion King remake, and I, I, I'm sure I've said on the show before, but it's not just Disney. It's the entire movie industry. Like, the war against reboots and remakes is over. Like, we, you know, if you're against remakes and reboots, you lost. It's done. It's going to be a thing for the foreseeable future and probably forever because they can, and it's easy to print money that way. We just get... What we can only hope for is that the studios pick the right movies to do it with and then that they make a good movie. That's all. That's all you can you can hope for. So if you're anti reboot remake and you see this Lion King and it it, you know, makes your blood pressure go through the roof or something, you just kind of say, Well, that was a great trailer. John Favreau has done some really good work. He knows how to make a movie. Um, the cast is outstanding. And also that movie was made twenty five years ago. Like it doesn't I feel like Things that were that came out during our childhood and stuff, we still seem to feel like, well, that's you can't touch that. But that was a long time ago because we're old. So I feel like this is made mainly for us, like thirty year olds, you know? Because I feel like kids prefer animation. Wouldn't they rather, <sighs> most kids rather watch a cartoon than watch a live action like lions fighting to and a, stuff? Yeah, to a to an extent. To an extent. I mean to an age. You know, I, my kid is just getting my kid's five and he's just getting to a point where uh live action is is more of a thing for him than than the animation stuff is. But yeah, I mean like younger kids for sure, animation's a bigger deal. But um short of just like, I don't know, re releasing the original Lion King in theaters, which will make some money but not like this you know again we're talking about could be conceivably the biggest movie of all time so i i don't know it's i I feel like we have we just kind of have to get past the no reboots no remakes sort of thing and just be like just make them good that's all i want pick good one pick the right ones to do do them well and that's really all that we can hope for and care about you know yeah i mean when you realize that at the end of the day these producers and studios are in the business of making money. Yeah, they got to <laughs> make money. And That's if they the don't thing. make money, yeah. everyone gets fired. And so right. when you have like an obvious movie that's going to make money, I'm sure they're just all in on that rather right. than like, oh, let's save this for five years down the line when we really need it. You know, they're thinking more like, no, we need to make money now or else 
yeah, everyone's losing well, their jobs. And, and we've talked tons of times about how the the way that these the way the studios work. If you don't, let's say you have if you have comic book fatigue and you don't want to see a comic book movie, which I totally understand. Just understand that whatever that comic book movie, Black Panther or or Wonder Woman, that funded like ten other movies, you know, from that studio. That was that studio, whatever. Warner Brothers made probably ten movies off of the profits it made from Wonder Woman. So it's it, that's how the system is is designed at this point. And there's, I would love for some of that to change. We again, we we'd like there to be more smaller movies and more mid-budget movies and more movies made for adults and blah, all this sort of stuff. But even that that we have at this point comes as a result of studios making huge movies that make huge money. That's the only way it gets done. So again, just pick the right ones and do them well. That's all we can, that's all we can demand, you know, from, from studios in this sort of setting. Absolutely. Arby, you got thoughts? He's dead. He died. Killed him. It already killed him, and we haven't mm-hmm. even. Yeah. No, I'm, no, sorry. Not that you guys haven't already said. No, you're good. Awesome. All right. Uh, I guess that's all we got for movie news. We went a little long on that, but that's okay, because it was the only thing anyone was talking about all weekend, <laughs> and I'm tired of it already, but we'll get it. Um, they're also working on a Genie spinoff movie, too, from Aladdin. I feel mm. like this Aladdin movie could Will Smith. suck. It definitely could. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Oh, that's kind of... Aladdin's one that I've really enjoyed, too. I just want yeah. to see what they, how they go about it. Okay. Let's uh, move on, guys. Let's talk about... All right. We are back. We are here to talk Creed 2. Very excited about this. This has been one of my most anticipated movies of the year. I think it has been for you fellows as well. We're joined now by our guest, Michael. Michael, how's it going, man? Pretty well, yourself? Good, good. Thanks for thanks for being here. We're going to ask you a couple questions just to uh, get to know you, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get straight into our, uh, our general thoughts here on Creed 2. Uh, first of all, have you seen Now You See Me? Uh, yes, I saw that in the theater, unfortunately. <laughs> right answer right on yes. all right one for one so far good 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 um second question have you seen a movie we like to call mcgruber yes i saw that one in the theater fortunately wow my oh, man yes. like the two people it's exciting and eric that's Walmart. exciting <laughs> and both groups right she's what a, we'll what a never time. forgive you for that uh, great. Well, good. You're you're off to a great start here. How about this, Michael? What's uh, what's just generally? What's your favorite movie? What do you tell people when people ask you that question on the street? As I'm sure people often do. What's uh, what's the first thought? What's your favorite movie? I usually go King Kong. Okay, the, the Peter version. Jackson one or the old one? No, okay, the old the better, one. Good, better answer. Uh, nothing against the Peter Jackson one. Just. That would be a very a odd long. movie. We might have to do an entire few, episode. Few on too many movie. Brontosaurus stampedes for my liking. But <laughs> yeah, not enough for me. That. Oh yeah, but, yeah. Uh, we know. <laughs> we 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 heard by the bleeps in your uh, yeah. Jurassic World <laughs> review that right. You're yeah, very. Yeah, bro- my search history is weird. Um, <laughs> just a lot of Brontosaurus. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. So okay, Michael, this was a 
you for, first of all, Michael's here because he is one of our lovely, illustrious, wonderful VIPs. You can go to madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP and uh, sign up to get, uh, you know, you get all these wonderful bonus episodes. You get incredible throwbacks. And uh, for some people, you get the opportunity to come on an episode of your choosing. Uh, so Michael's here because of that. Now, Michael, when I sent out the list to our VIPs uh, asking, you know, what uh, what movie would you like? Kind of a first come, first serve basis. You were one of the first responders to uh, jump on that. And this was this was the, the movie of your choosing. So I guess let's get some background on you for as far as uh, Creed, the Rocky franchise, whatever it is that made you want to be on this episode so incredibly badly. Oh, uh, well, I'm from the Philadelphia area. So that Rocky sucks, is kind of. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it was on cable all the time growing up. You couldn't get away from it. Uh, one, two, three, and four mm. all the time. And uh, so lived in Philly for a few years, been to the art museum, done the steps, seen the statue. It's ingrained with uh, when you live in Philadelphia, mm. the Rocky mm. movies. Awesome. It is. Well, yeah, it definitely yeah. is. Um, and I think that these movies, Creed as well, especially Rocky, do a great job of of honoring Philadelphia, not only just like, it's not only just set there, but it's really like the spirit of the city comes through. And, Agreed. Um, and so that's really, really cool how important that was for them to, to do that. But, but yeah, um, Brian, we're just recap our thoughts on uh, Creed mm -hmm. and start us off on Creed two, I guess here, reset things. Yeah, sure. Creed, I, I really liked the Rocky franchise. Uh, we reviewed Rocky a week or two. You and I did, Kent. I think Richard was on vacation or something that week. But but we reviewed Rocky several years ago. And then I was excited for Creed. I love Michael B. Jordan. He's one of my two or three favorite actors. He's an incredible talent and has that. He has that thing where he can do blockbusters and be right at home. And he can be in a you know a small indie. Field. He's going to he's going to be somebody that at the end of his career, you know, in thirty or forty or fifty or eighty years, whatever, we're going to say, holy cow, he was worth billions and billions of dollars at the box office and also won two Oscars, you know, something like that. Like he, he's just a supremely talented actor and is just kind of getting started, which is super fun. So I was I was incredibly excited about Creed. I did not anticipate it being. Uh, as good as it was, nor as um, impactful as it as it is and, and was at the time. I really I was I, I rewatched it twice over this last week. I've probably seen it two dozen times since it came out in theaters. I, I love I love Creed. I think it's probably it's either my favorite or second favorite movie of of the decade. I love that movie. And I Still to this day, no matter how many times I've watched it, I still get the same um, emotional uh, response from it that I did the first time around. It is a I think it is a perfect movie uh, and it's the pacing. Gosh, and the pacing, the musical cues, the uh, the camera Kugler is so great behind the camera. It's a I, I genuinely I think it's a perfect movie. I think it's a masterpiece. Um, and we just I don't know, like as a culture we do not accept blockbusters as masterpieces you know and this that one to me is it's a i i threw it on in the background last week while i was trying to get some work done 
And I ended up getting no work done because I'm literally standing for the last 30 minutes. I was literally standing in front of my TV, um, just pacing back and forth because that that final act, the fight with uh, now I've forgotten the guy's name because I, I know his real name. But regardless, the, the fight Con, in Conlin or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Conklin is such a it's gosh, it's it's perfect. It is perfect filmmaking and the acting is incredible and the good gracious, they know he knows exactly what to do with uh with the music and it just it hits me every time. I just literally I, I'm just standing there pacing and bawling my eyes out, and I've seen this movie two dozen times. It's just it's my favorite. So I was incredibly excited about uh, about this one. I'm I remain very excited about any and all future uh creed movies that we want to do and uh i'm i'm anyway i'm excited to hear what you guys think i i know that i remember richard being really high on this as well kate but i I, honestly i can't remember probably because i just passed out for three weeks after seeing this movie i can't remember where you came in on that one so what was what was your what are your feelings towards this franchise and and uh i can't remember what your review of of creed was because it was literally it was three years ago uh where where we at on that you know what? I really liked Creed a lot. I've never really been a huge Rocky fan. I mean, I like the movies, but I feel like most Rocky fans, it's like the greatest movie of all time and no other movie even compares to, you know, and they can do all the sequels and talk about all of them. Several coworkers that I have are like that and they're just, they have like Rocky figurines on their desks and like, it's just the the, the biggest and best movie ever is, is Rocky, Rocky 2, 3 or 4. And, um, of course, Rocky Balboa, right? Um, those those movies are great. Um, I think they – Rocky One is still probably my favorite of those. Um, mm-hmm. I just think, uh, you know, it was such a lightning in a bottle moment. Of course, it spawned a franchise. But, you know, them casting Sly in that role, even though, you know, the studio didn't want him. He was an unknown. He couldn't really talk. Uh, but he wrote the screenplay for it, and they were like – and Sly was like, I'm not letting anyone make this movie unless it's starring me. And he was totally right about it. And uh, just a great movie. I really enjoy Rocky. And so when I heard that they were rebooting it, um, I was like, okay, this will be cool if they can tie it back to Rocky somehow. I don't want it to be a, a straight remake of Rocky, just with a different actor. And I thought they did a really good job of in Creed of making it feel organic making it mm-hmm. not making it kind of hit the same some of the same beats as Rocky and of course the ending and all that without feeling predictable but they did a really good job I think they picked the right actor and Michael B Jordan to to carry it he's so good and so believable as a as a fighter just in his preparation and and his total physique that he takes on for this this role and of course the relationships that he forms with Rock and uh and Rocky's past of course comes into play and then his relationship with his girl and his family and, and, you know, discovering or accepting his title of a, you know, not Adonis Johnson, but uh, Adonis Creed in the movie, I think is very impactful too. And the whole reveal when he gets the trunks and going in, you know, I love that. That one shot of him walking into the arena is just epic, you know, like walking from his dressing room, like up into the arena and following him. I just like the curtains open, you know, and it's just so, so good. And, um, so yeah, I was high on, I don't remember my grade for Creed. I think it was a minus around something like that. I don't remember having any complaints about it really at all. Um, it was one of the best movies of that year. That's for sure. But, um, but when Creed 
2 was announced, I was excited but also scared because you can really screw this up if it's not done right. Mm-hmm. So so it was a little hesitation mixed with a lot of excitement for me. But Richard, what were your Creed thoughts and excitement for this? Well, loved Creed, like Brian, big Creed guy. Um, of Michael B. Jordan as the character, just thought it was the perfect way. If you're going to reimagine something, the perfect amount of tying to the original property while reimagining and placing it into a modern uh, context. And I just thought it was a really smart, um, fun screenplay with some great performances. I mean, Sly got nominated for an Oscar for a reason. That's a really great performance. And uh, Michael B. Jordan's fantastic. And and obviously, Ryan Coogler, though, he's he's done nothing since. Um, maybe <laughs> one day we'll... <laughs> we'll come around and do something. Uh, yeah, so that that was kind of my creed. Uh, one of my favorite movies of that year, 2015, was that when it was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, just one of my favorite movies of the year and, and a, a real a real surprise because, you know, it, took, it was one of those where you go, uh, I don't know about this. I mean, I love Sly and I love Rocky, but I, I don't know. And then you see the trailer and you're like, oh, this is going to be <laughs> awesome. You know, immediate, right? You know, immediately, and you're like, one of the best trailers ever. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see it, and it's even better than the trailer. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of my thought on this. I was all about more, and and there will probably be more after this, and that's fine. This one doesn't live up, doesn't quite have the pop of the first one, but but, Mm -hmm. uh, it's certainly a a good film, um, but not a great film, which I think the first one really is, and uh, and has some little qualms with it. It feels more, in a weird way, like a Rocky movie than the first one. The first one is its own sort of beautiful, perfect thing. And this feels like more of a continuation of that story in terms of eh, it's a little sequely. It's a little cheesy in parts. It's a little nonsensical in parts. You go, Oh yeah, this is, yeah, this feels like Rocky three. This man, this, I'm still enjoying the crap out of this. I love Rocky three, but I'm, I'm uh, this kind of feels more in that world. Whereas Creed feel felt like something totally mm-hmm. um, while total being completely respectful of where it came it, it something completely different. So, but, but, but a, a good time and a good hang in the, in the theater. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. So yeah, we can get into a little more, more details, but those are my thoughts on the series and, and you feel free to make four of these. I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They might do that at this point. It's uh, made a lot of money. It made uh 50 million or something like that. Yeah. Almost my, 60. Yeah, yeah. About 60. And that's on a weekend that there were a lot of movies out to see a lot of choices for people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We'll talk about theater etiquette and my experience with that here in a little <laughs> bit if we want, but, uh, but yeah, it was very crowded, crowded uh, screening. And I was, it was good to see the support. I feel like we were in the kind of the minority on people seeing the praises of this movie when it came out, it didn't do too well in the box office. I didn't feel like uh, right initially, but it was kind oh, of a look. sleeper. It was kind of a remember. sleeper. I didn't feel like the first weekend it did too well. I might have done the same. Yeah, amount, it, about 40 it made. 50. Yeah, it made thirty opening weekend okay. and 100, 110 total domestic. 100, 100, but on a thirty-five million dollar budget, that's pretty. I mean, it, good. for the sequel yeah, to see, do better than the I, original is yeah, always good. Totally, and I, I to your point, Ken, I felt going into Creed or the, like the lead up to when it came out, I, I felt like I was kind of, I was way more excited about it than most people were. Like I, 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 I kind of made some of my friends go with me to see it and they all just loved it. And we were all hooked. And then I, I, I made my wife go see it the next day or two days later. And, and I just kept, I kept preaching virtues and the response kind of unanimously was like, really? 
it was it was really good and i'm just like that's such an understatement it's such a great movie like i love i love 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 this movie so much uh and i it it does seem like it took a while for that to sink in it's not quite like you can't call it like a cult classic or something but it it does kind of have that um it it didn't i think it just kind of it took a little while to build into what it has become i think it took people by surprise i think so too a lot of people probably caught this on streaming or whatever and we're like, wow, that was good. I'm really into this now. And uh, and it kind of reignited their love for Rocky. But um, my screening, this was such a dark movie, like projected. I don't know if it was just my screen, but I had the hardest time seeing in this movie just the amount of light. I felt like I was like a, wearing 3D glasses, you know, and there's just like you're in there with sunglasses on. And you're like, just turn up the brightness like two ticks, you know. I kept thinking that. So I don't know if that's a an issue a lot of people have had. If you have, please tweet us or email us and let us know. But uh, that's one of the first things I noticed with this was how dark it was, and just in terms of how it was shot, and uh, felt like it had a little bit of you know took the saturation completely out of the movie, and it was very um, cliche of darker sequel, you know, in, in that terms. But like I said, could have just been my um, my projection. Uh, also. What did you guys, how did you guys feel about bringing Drago back and Dolph Lundgren and that whole thing? Is that what made it feel kind of cliche is that we're bringing back not only Apollo Creed's son, but Drago's son now. And we're going to repeat all these kind of storylines that they had before. And it's going to be basically Apollo Creed is writing the wrongs of Rocky in a way, you know, he's sure. like yeah. only taking these fights because of their connection to Rocky and in his past. But I felt like yeah. at the same time with what happened with his dad, Apollo Creed and Drago, I think it was like a good redemption storyline mm-hmm. to go with of yeah. avenging his father's death, but at the same time having to battle his own demons of being the champ, you know? Mm-hmm. I thought that mm-hmm. was a really a really I like smart that. I like I like they kept telling him he can't take this fight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, you kind of do. You're the champion. Yeah. I I liked that aspect of it. I'm just starting out the movie and he's the champ. You know, it's really like that all the weight of his life falls on the fact that he, everyone's looking at him. Everyone wants him. He can't fall. He can't fail. He can't lose to anybody. now, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it's an unranked guy or whoever it is. He's the champ, and he if he loses his belt, it's over, and he might not ever get it back. I liked that struggle, too. It wasn't like a, you know, Drago's the champ, and he has to fight him at the end to get the belt, and he's finally the champion. I liked the kind of internal struggle he had of dealing with being the champ and what that – the fame yeah. that it brings and, and all that and also the pressure, too. So yeah. what did you guys think about the Drago inclusion? Yeah, Michael, what what do you think on that? Because you're you're the kind of the official Rocky aficionado here. Like, how, how does that play with with uh, Rocky IV? How how'd you like that? Uh, you know, the connection there. Well, when I first uh, read that that's what they were going to do, I was a bit worried. Uh, like we're going down this well again, but I felt that they can make it work, and I felt they did make it work. Sure, I did too. Sure. Yeah, I thought it. I thought the dude was intimidating. I think God as Drago or Victor Drago. Um, Dolph is pretty intimidating too. Um, mm-hmm. I loved the, where the scene they were going when Drago shows up at Rocky's restaurant, right? And they like sit down 
face to face. And then I think Rocky's just like, I'm not going to do this. And he just like gets up and leaves, you know, like they don't even have a fight or like a, an argument really. It's just like, a, I don't know. They tease that. I mean, you don't get that satisfaction until really the, the mm-hmm. final fight in the movie. But uh, yeah, it was like something that we've been waiting for, for decades, you know, it's for them to kind of yeah. talk yeah, about sure. that, what happened and, and meet face to face. And, Mm-hmm. And also, just the struggle that uh, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Adonis Creed had with Rocky himself, and mm-hmm. trying to distance himself from Rocky. What did you guys think about that too? I mean, after all Rocky went through in Creed, uh, and uh, you know he, he doesn't turn his back on him, but he kind of wants to pave his own way without Rocky. You know, everybody just talking about Rocky the whole time. So, what sure. did you think about? about that just Rocky's kind of a less, lesser, uh, Mm -hmm. lesser influence on him this time around until it really matters. Yeah. I think it, it's, it's a valuable, the story is, is a really well-crafted story. I, I think this movie's missing Coogler big time, both. Well, not just both, like in almost every facet, I feel like Coogler would have taken this movie from, from what it is, which is very good to, to great. Um, it just there's a little i don't know there's there's notes here and there i i really like the concept one of my favorite things about the first movie one of the things that i think hits home and makes it feel um real and and genuine is that is is adonis uh wrestling with this feeling that he's a mistake and he references that he says that at, in the last fight he's you know when when rocky's trying to cut to cut the fight and he's saying i have to go back out there i have to prove that i'm not a mistake and that's like our central theme to his whole character is trying to show that he you know he he has value um and then this one i really i really dig the concept of him trying to it's not just like avenge his father, but like live up to the name that his father has. And then you, the flip side of that is is Drago and his son, and they have their own thing going on that they're trying to deal with and the relationship that they're trying to work out. I wish that both of those things would have been fleshed out a little bit more. And I wish that, um, honestly, I kind of, to your point, Richard, like you're right, like this does feel more like a Rocky sequel than a Creed sequel. And I... I kind of wish I wish there was a little less focus on Rocky in this movie because the last movie kind of really does feel like the passing of the torch and I want Rocky around and I love Sly and and his you know his performance in the first movie especially was so so great and now I f- I kind of feel like we're past the point of needing a lot of uh rocky and adonis stuff more so than we in this one this one this movie felt like it called more for um him kind of dealing with the ghosts of the past more so than him figuring out his relationship with rocky does that make sense am i am i way off on that or does that did that hit with you guys i can see that um i love sly as rocky man Mm -hmm. you know i kind of want all that they're willing to give but at the same time i want adonis to be a strong character in his own right and not, like I said, rely on Rocky. I thought it would maybe be a really cool reveal if he doesn't come in till the end of this. And he, and you know, like maybe you don't introduce Rocky at all until he's in the hospital or whatever, or something like that, where it's just like, 
when you've almost forgotten completely that this was a Rocky movie, he comes in and saves the day and, and he kind of does that, but it's more spread out throughout the whole movie instead of just, it's just not solely focused on Adonis and then Rocky shows up. Like they have certain scenes that are just Rocky, you know, like going, like I said, to his restaurant and you have to being at his grave with Adrian and doing all this stuff mm -hmm. that, and dealing with his son, right? And that whole thing that it, uh, it does feel like simultaneously a Rocky and a Creed movie, but, but man, I was in on this. I gotta say, yeah, this is sure. so entertaining to me. I love Michael B. Jordan in this role. He's um, fantastic. I love the, um, the, I didn't know if this would have the drama factor that the other one does. And it doesn't really, in terms of like the crying stuff, but it certainly has weight. Uh, the, mm -hmm. the scene that really mm -hmm. got me was, you know, have him having the kid and then having to test the kid's hearing because of his girl being, you know, deaf or part deaf was heartbreaking, man. Like just the sure. reality of life hits you so fast and you know, you're a boxer and then like you're having to deal with like real life drama. And I, I love that they mix that so well here. And it's not just a cheesy sports movie with, you know, that they win at the end and everybody goes home happy. Like there's actual, actual life is happening simultaneous to these guys getting ready for fights or, you know, yeah. her, his wife being pregnant and, and that whole thing. It's, uh, he has to do a lot of growing up in this movie. Adonis sure. does. And, yeah. and in a lot of ways. And I think that's mainly what this is trying to do is, is him just becoming a man, becoming a champion, dealing with, like I said, starting his own family, trying to pave his own path, trying to distance himself, but also pay homage to his father and what he would have think, thought his father would want. And, uh, and I was all in, man. I, I really enjoyed almost everything here. You know, I have some small qualms here and there, of course, uh, with sequel cliches and things like that. But man, this was almost everything I wanted it to be in terms of a sequel, you know, a little less serious in the first because the first was so serious and, and in a good way. This is just a little more fun to me. It was a little more fun and just as fun in terms of the anticipation that it builds up for the final fight and all that, mm -hmm. and what's going to happen. But RB, yeah. what, 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 where did you fall on this, man? Yeah, no, I, I it was um, the, the biggest call I had with this, I just can't wrap my brain around why Sly is poor. Uh, why Rocky <laughs> yeah, like Adonis's house, Creed's house is like giant, and that guy, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, Rocky was the heavyweight. I mean, I he get invested it. it all in Adrian's restaurant. I mean, yeah, the restaurant maybe or some <laughs> other stuff has failed, but I don't, uh, you know, maybe he can go sign autographs somewhere or something. I feel like he, I feel like Rocky should be able. He's got a statue. In, yeah, he should be able <laughs> to pull in like 125k a year, you know, minimum. Yeah, uh, but yeah, shows. that was. That was if they finally, had a scene of him doing autograph shows, like yeah, okay. like a, that would have been like awesome, the, actually, like him in, at a con or something, like or like that place in Vegas, that, in Caesar's Palace, in the mall, where it's I've yeah. seen like Jerry Rice there and a bunch of people there. It's just like where Enthusio, Pete Rose is, Pete Rose is there every other guy. week. Just him and Pete Rose hanging out um, <laughs> would be cool. That's a scene, but uh, no, that, that was really my only call. Everything else you covered, Kent, kind of called, but uh, yeah, I want to hear, I want to hear from Brian and our guest about. Uh, about their particular uh, grievances with the film more. Well, you go, Michael. Shout out. What, what, what stuck out, good or bad? What, what was a positive or, or a minus on this one? 
Well, I do feel that it missed Kugler. Uh, that was probably the thing missing the most out of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, it was perfectly enjoyable. Just didn't quite live up to the level of the last one. Uh, sure. The scene with the, the the hearing test on the child, I'll agree, was probably the deepest scene going on there. Uh, really enjoyed that scene. That's the one that stuck with me the most, I'd say. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I, wanted, I would say, in some ways, like this suffered as much as anything, not from what's actually on the screen, what's happening as much as just how great the last one was. Like you just, if you were unclear on how incredible that movie was and how, what, what a, you know, what an amazing director Kugler is, this kind of really hits it home. Cause I think I kind of feel like the, if you just looked at the paper, you know, if you just go to the script, there's not a lot of difference between this movie and that movie. And then it's that finished product that takes it, that really kind of highlights and illustrates. Oh right, like there's, you know, there's like a little too much. This movie, a little too much slow motion punch stuff, that wasn't much of a. I, I appreciated was not really a focus in Creed two. Um, I felt like the sound was not as good, and that that can be theater based too. That that's not always, you know, the 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 print of the movie or whatever. But it it did. I, I feel like in Creed, you can feel um, those punches because of how well mm-hmm. the sound is mixed and, and you know, kind of the the loudness on, on some of that. Um, and this was, it, it, it fell flat a bit on that front. Um, and yeah, and, and similar to, we, we just talked Widows. If you haven't listened to that episode, it, it's out there as well. Uh, one, one of my complaints with Widows is that there was, like maybe one too many storylines going on. And I would say kind of similar here. There's just a lot happening and I like all of them. I think they're all valuable, good storylines, stuff that, that should be, that should be fleshed out. That, that is worthwhile, including Rocky's relationship with his kid and, uh, and, and Adonis and, uh, uh, and Bianca's child and, and the, you know, the, the hearing impairment, all these things are really good. Probably cut one just so you can focus on some of the others, I would say. And it just there's a little bit too much happening um, that kind of kind of puts you in a place where you're, it's it's kind of it's hard to stick with everything that's going and doesn't give everybody and every story the the screen time that it that it really deserves. Um, and I, again, I think some of those are are pretty minor complaints. Really, I just think it's it's really hard to live up to a great, great, great movie and that first movie is one it is a masterful great movie and so you just kind of walk away being like it's hard not to be a little bit disappointed in this movie just given knowing how great that you know that first one is for me anyway yeah i think maybe the the plot that i would have nixed would have been the victor drago's mother plot line like why do we mm-hmm. need to yeah. why do we yeah, we don't need, need, need to, yeah why do we need to know that he's disappointing his mother like i really mm-hmm. don't care this dude is supposed to be just his only goal is supposed to be to bash people's skulls in it doesn't we don't need any more motivation than that right than to destroy everybody right i mean i get you i get that the i get the reasoning behind that right because you you do want to show you ultimately you're going to show drago and drago and they're like mending their relationship and all that sort of stuff i just think it could have been done Right, Ken. I think you're right. I think it could have been that done. One better. scene where they're like at dinner in in yeah, Russia, and she shows like up, and it's like it just feels like a little out of place. And I'd agree. Okay, yeah. You know, 
like let's just get let's just get on with the fight already but that was like a very small thing that like if i had to choose that would be that would be what i would cut would be uh drago's mother but um like i said all this stuff with adonis i really enjoyed um i thought the tension was was built up i love the scene where rocky takes him out to the desert and it's like you got to train like you've never trained and I love the visuals of that, of him running down the, the, you know, the road, you know, like chasing the car and the, and like boxing out in the desert. I thought I just loved that as a sequence and just the visual style of that. And, and Adonis just overcoming, getting his ass kicked by this dude. And it's something I also, I really enjoyed was that he loses to him almost, you know, 20 minutes into the movie. He, he gets his butt kicked by this guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was thinking the whole time, I'm like, surely he's going to fight him at the end. But I was wondering how they were going to do it. And the, the fact that they did, you know, he gets disqualified and Rocky's, I mean, uh, Creed's still the champion, even though he lost kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that they always, they always, uh, you know, this is a weird comparison to make, but they always do that in WWE with title fights. It's like, mm-hmm. we know this guy needs to be the champion, like we know John Cena needs to be the champion because he's the face of WWE and we know, but we also want Dolph Ziggler to beat him. Like, how do you have mm-hmm. both? Well, you have Dolph Ziggler beat him, but gets disqualified and John Cena is still the champion. Right. Um, and then the undertaker comes in and destroys everybody. <laughs> Rest in peace. Um, <laughs> yeah. Only, only thing that would have made Creed two better was, would be if, if they're fighting Drago and Creed and then you just hear the uh, church bells and the lights go out and the purple and then here comes the Undertaker <laughs> for 17 minutes walking into the ring as Adonis Creed and Victor Drago look on, look on in amazement and then he just tombstones everybody and the end. <laughs> and then they set up the Undertaker cinematic universe, which I, yeah. I'm all in on that. <laughs> Right, so right. Darby. and it can and it can last forever. It can. He's been thing. dead for thirty years. I mean, he's going to be dead for at least thirty more. Um, so yeah, yeah, like I said, that's a very small complaint with the uh, kind of the details of of Victor Drago. But like I said, um, I thought the build up was was very good, and um, her trying to deal with her music career at the same time maybe is a little too much. But she has her own dreams. Yeah. Something I thought was kind of cheesy was her singing for him, like coming out. I thought that was kind of like a Agreed. kind of cliche. I thought it would have been awesome. Awesome. If, and I know they kind of use it. If they did, um, the Rocky, the quintessential Rocky theme as he's coming out. And he used that like as his, his intro song. I thought that would have mm. been awesome. You know, like as yeah. a, as in like Rocky sitting there ringside and he like starts crying or something like, wow. Like I thought that would have been a great moment to use to like bring that song fully into this series and be like, this is, and then you're just getting chills down your spine as he's walking into the ring. Like this is an effing Rocky movie. Let's do this, you know, but they do. I mean, they, they bring that track in, I think midway through the fight or like towards the end, you know, when they hit the real triumphant knockout moment, they, 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 they played a little motif of, of uh, the Rocky theme, but um, but like I said, that could have been a really cool moment. Instead, it was just like this weird 
trance hip hop thing that his girl was singing, and it just didn't have the weight that that first movie had of like the the moment is here, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing yeah. of that first fight, which I said is my favorite sequence of of Creed. So, um, so yeah, what, any kind of little qualms like that with, like you said, the music, Brian was a little, uh, a little bit of a letdown in this one compared to the to, compared yeah. to Creed. Yeah. Yeah. Musical cues, not quite as good. Um, and, and yeah, I, I wish a little, little, I could use it being a little louder. I, I don't know sound mix or sound engineering or whatever, but that it just, it kind of lacked a little bit of that. Um, I don't know, auditory punch. Uh, forget the pun that that creed has and i think that's i don't know that really i really maybe it's two percent of what makes that first movie so great but it is a two percent that's kind of lacking in this one for me and and that would have i would have liked him and had a little bit more than that but richard what do you feel how you feel about i let's ask let's say this where, where do we go from here what's what's the next step for the inevitable creed yeah 3 i don't know and, this felt like two, three, and four of the Rocky movies all put in the one in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. So I don't yeah. know where you go. Right, right Michael? I mean, so yeah. maybe, maybe God forbid, original territory. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I agree. It, it, this is basically Rocky three with Rocky four thrown in, and the beginning is Rocky two. So hopefully, and it, are we in spoilers here? Oh, yeah, definitely. Sure, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where they, they do the fist pound at the end and it goes, your time now. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking Rocky probably wouldn't even show up if there is a sequel. But I mean, I like here from here you can do a clean, fresh start with a you know Creed. You don't need Rocky anymore. This is, but I have no clue where you're gonna go. But this is this is the end of the Rocky saga, kind of, and the beginning of the full fledged uh, Creed saga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a good thing. That's a good thing. We yeah, should, it's good. I'm not no, no. That's, Agreed. We should we should get going, but I did have that thought coming out of this one. It's like I did kind of feel like I'm not really sure. I want all of these movies. I want ten Creed movies with with Michael B. Jordan because it's I love them and he's fantastic. But I don't really know. I don't know what you do for the third one. I don't have a to me. There's not like a really clear uh, path that you gotta get on. To. Right, right. I mean, you you can do the loses the crown and and fights yeah. back for it. You can do. I mean, he beat the guy in the first fight that took his keys. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you 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 tied up a lot of of loose threads, and and I think yeah. quite well. But short of uh, short of a resurgence of cancer and Rocky dies, and he's dealing with yeah. that, uh, which I think is definitely coming at some point, right? But is that Rocky three years, or excuse me, Creed three, or is it Creed eight? You know, right. Mm-hmm. But what's Mister T's kid up to? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I, since we're in spoilers, I had a um, a thought of where this could go. When actually, he's Doctor T. He's a microbiologist. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not interested in boxing at at all, really. <laughs> I I I actually had a thought here when she finds out she's pregnant, which was a funny sequence with this mom and like you're glowing, <laughs> you know that whole mm-hmm. reveal of her finding out and him being like, you think it's broken? Like the pregnancy test and everything. Um. I honestly thought that this would mirror Rocky Four, and he would, you know, Apollo Creed would go into the fight at the end and die, and that his son, like the the reveal at the end, would be like it's a boy, like his wife would go into labor like <laughs> during the fight, and like gosh, what a bummer that, that would, would be. But oh. it would set up the next movie could be 
you know, 30 Creed three, years and it's future. another Creed. It's Adonis Creed's kid and Rocky's <laughs> like 20 years older or whatever. I honestly thought that that could be a possibility. And I was like, well, he could die here. You know, like it, <laughs> it would be like a, the most shocking ending that you could expect. Right. Like the Rocky, the original Rocky ending is like, are you, do we just sit here to watch this guy lose a fight? You know, <laughs> like that, that was like shocking to people. And that's part of the reason it got so talked about. Um, but yeah, I expected the worst, honestly, with the ending. I was like, <laughs> is know, everything okay? Totally lose. Are yeah. you all right? Man? No, I just thought like <laughs> what, with the kid being brought into it, I was like, this is very mirroring like Apollo Creed in a way and uh, doing a fight. No one says she can win and all that sort of thing. So yeah. I'm glad it didn't end up like that because I need Michael B. Jordan in my life um, as much as possible. But I did, did come across like for a, a split second when they uh, find out they're pregnant. I was like, oh, this could, this could set up the <laughs> sequel perfectly, you know, with the kid and everything. Yeah. But we'll see. Maybe maybe Creed Three, his daughter is like 16 and going on her first date. And he's <laughs> just like the kind of dad that like beats up kids who are mean to his daughter and that's what he does is he's just like her bodyguard and rocky's like hey man you gotta give her some space <laughs> um well i like the moment where where rocky reunites with the son too what did you think about that yeah i dug it i thought it was a nice touching conclusion to that that storyline i you know whether whether we get uh milo whatever his name is in future Rocky movies. Again, I know he was in Rocky Balboa. I don't know if we're, it, it kind of felt like uh, maybe that's the, the uh, bow on that story and maybe Rocky's a lesser presence in the next movie, or uh, I don't know that we need to add uh, his son coming around for all these various events and stuff as part of the next movie, but it was a very touching. And I think, really compelling storyline and, and a nice, nice wrap up to that for sure. My, this is a question for our guest. Cause he is the Rocky um, savant of us. When did the like fedora come into play for Rocky? Like when did that become um, his thing? Uh, definitely Rocky bow, Rocky Balboa. Gotcha. No, he actually had that before that. He definitely had that in Rocky five as well. Uh, okay. I'm not sure about four, but at least Rocky five, he did. Okay. And that's where he lost his money, and that's where he became poor because Polly signed a power of attorney, and that's how it, why he lives in the streets of Philadelphia again. Okay, that's right. I forgot about that. I I just I feel like of, there's a way for him to make money. Uh, oh, yeah, he could definitely yeah, be making now. more money. Yeah. yeah, surely he could have a Patreon or something, you know. <laughs> this, the weirdest thing was, I remember about Rocky Balboa, is that the guy he fights is named Mason Dixon. And his nickname is The Line. <laughs> it's like, really? Mason Dixon? Mason Dixon line? is That's like... awesome. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that's pretty great. It was yeah. greatness. Uh, I need to rewatch Rocky Balboa because I always, I always laugh that he was like fighting still in 2006. Like a, yeah. as a I rewatched, yeah, I rewatched four uh, this week to get ready for this. And I, it's been a while. I've seen Rocky, whatever, a dozen times. And I've seen four probably half a dozen two three a couple and five i've probably seen once or twice i rewatched four i completely forgot <laughs> i completely forgot that he got polly a robot but that's like the fifth yeah. lead in the movie is this weird robot that polly might be in love with it's a, it's a strange 
strange '80s thing. We really were sure that robots were the next big thing in every household. I was hoping just... a robot with a pop up in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe three, maybe three, maybe three. Yeah, yeah. It was just very odd. Like, there's a shot in this. I think it's when they're in the desert training, and he finishes. You know, Adonis finishes training, and then like you see like Rocky's silhouette in the sun, and he just like picks up the fedora and puts it on like Indiana Jones or something. I'm like, what is this his trademark now? Like, the, Oh, the fedora, it must be Rocky. You know, <laughs> like, it is very odd that it became his thing, but yeah. Um, okay. You guys have any other more thoughts on this or where it could possibly go? I think they'll, I don't know. They'll bring somebody else we know in there. Like I said, Mr. T is not out of the question, man, of, of becoming uh, involved in this. I think they actually wanted him for this one. Want him to be in it, but he didn't do it. So uh, I thought he might have been the trainer in the desert at one point. Yeah, yeah, yep, could have been. All right, Uh, I like a lot of this, man. I'm very Mm -hmm. high. I'm very high on all things Creed right now, and uh, I want them to make another one very soon. I don't want to wait another three years. I don't want to wait till 2021 for Creed three. Let's get on it. And it must be suck for Michael B. Jordan because he has to get super jacked for this. So it's like, can you just tell me when the next one is? So I'll just stay jacked or can yeah. I like skinny up again and then get jacked? Yeah, the- it, it was kind of funny in the montage, the training montage. Where you could, you could, it's like you could tell when he uh, when he had come back after shooting Black Panther because he was just he went from, man, that guy is really well put together to, whoa, that guy is mm-hmm. jacked. Like mm-hmm. it was pretty great. Yeah, he's the best. That would be awesome if Kugor came back for the, the finale. Yeah, I I would think that that comes at some point, whether that's three or four. I mean, these are not gonna stop at any point because this made a ton of money opening weekend and hasn't even opened overseas. I imagine it'll. I can't imagine that um, Michael B. Jordan being such a huge part of Black Panther will hurt this movie. You know what I mean? Like that'll definitely. Up- he wants to keep doing them. Yeah, and they've got to be they're they're really these are really good. So hopefully, I would imagine we we're looking at at least two or three more of these. Um so I, I would I would bet that Coogler comes back for it at some point, whether that's 3 or 4, or, you know, 12. After Black Panther 2, we'll see what he's got on his plate, but Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's good stuff. All right, I'm ready to grade this one out, man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to grade Creed 2 as a A minus. A minus for Creed 2. It's about everything I wanted it to be, a little sequely, but overall I was very pleased with this. What about you, Brian? Yeah, same for me. A minus. It's re- it's a very it's a good movie um that just slightly lacks the touches that made that last one uh great. And 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 to, uh, to be fair, it's not really fair to compare it and to hold it to the standard of of the last one. But I just think I, with with Cooler behind the this, the camera, I think this this really sings. I thought uh, I thought Stephen Cable Jr., who really hasn't done much directing wise, I thought I thought he did an admirable job. I just didn't think he did next level the way Cooler uh, is is capable of. But but still, good movie. I'm gonna rewatch it a bunch. I'm probably not going to rewatch it as often as I rewatch Creed because that is mm, like once a week. So, but uh, yeah, it's a minus. good one to watch right after Creed. You know, sure, be a great definitely. binge yeah. after sure. I quit crying for 27 <laughs> hours. So. For sure. Um, what's your grade, 
uh, Michael? Yeah, I'm going to go A minus as well. It's it's perfect. It, Creed one is an A plus. I'll give this an A minus. Sure, gotcha. I think that's fair. Arby. A minuses all around. We're going to nice. do A minuses all around. We all get along. Good times. Awesome. You guys are my best friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Uh, let's hit, move on, guys, and let's hit that weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. Let's start off with uh, Richard this week. What's up? What you got? Yeah, I got a book for you guys, and I, I, I tend to double recommend. I don't think I've done Brian, you you are my ombudsman I recommend. Have I done Billion Dollar Whale yet? I don't, doesn't no, it ring a bell? I don't no. think so. Okay. Billion Dollar Whale is the Joe Lowe book about the uh, Malaysian uh-huh. uh, financier that partied with, basically stole $10 billion and then used it to party with Jamie Foxx and Leo DiCaprio. Uh, great book, great read. It's going to be a good movie one day and a lot of Hollywood cameos, as I just mentioned, throughout the book. So uh, I recommend to all of our listeners, Billion Dollar Whale, and definitely to you two and Michael as well. I think, but Brian and Ken, I think you would both uh, get it. I think you enjoy the book quite a bit. It's it's pretty crazy the amount of money spent. Anyway, wow. that's my Sweet. Billion Dollar Whale. Is it? Is you know if anyone has the rights to it? I don't know. He's in hiding right now. Somewhere in, in China, <laughs> they think. And, uh, you know, like you do when you steal $10 billion. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. But, he, he know, he produced The Wolf of Wall Street with some of the stolen money. So that's mm-hmm. cool. Um, so we got that out of him at least. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if anyone has the rights to the book yet. But uh, it will definitely be – it's certainly cinematic. <laughs> that's all I'll say. It's crazy. Sure. But uh, Cool. But yeah, I think you seriously, it's awesome. I, re- I recommend you guys and, and the Wall Street Journal guys that wrote it did a great job. Cool. Good recommend. Uh, let's go with the guest. Do you got something to recommend? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go The Outer Limits Season 2 just came out on Blu-ray last week. Oh, cool. So, awesome. um, I have not revisited that in a long time. Yeah, Season 1 came out last year and now Season 2 just came out. Uh, it has two Harlan Ellison written episodes including the one that he sued uh, James Cameron for, for the Terminator. Oh, okay. Yeah. James Cameron awesome. steals a lot of ideas. I'll figure that out. Yeah. And unfortunately not the right ones at the time. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to pass it to Brian and then I'm do mine. Yeah. I'm going to recommend a movie. I've been playing catch up on, uh, you know, I try to make my movie list at the end of the year as complete as I can. So I have a huge list of movies that I'm trying to get to, uh, before we get to that uh, that episode, uh, you know, beginning of beginning of January, uh, so I've been going back and, and watching some of these movies that I missed, and I, I watched uh, I watched Black Klansman this week, last week, whatever, and it may be a top ten movie for me this year. It's Spike Lee, and it's really really well done, and uh, great great acting all around. Um, I particularly like Adam Driver, but I just I'm very biased. I love I love that guy. I'm just so stoked. Anytime he's on screen and not in girls, I'm just I love it. So uh, yeah, it's it's really it's he's really great well in done. girls. I gotta uh, yeah. I gotta step up for my man here. Sure, he was, but he's also in girls. So you got to be watching girls. <laughs> yeah. so, but it brought us him. I'm always completely done true. credit for that. That's true. No, oh. um, and great. She also brought us incredible profiles in uh, New York Magazine as well. Got to give her that credit as well. Uh, yeah, it, it's really good. It's really well done. Um, a little, I think there's a little bit of heavy handedness at times, but then it 
really pays off at the end with that stuff. So I think it, I think it's worth uh, definitely worth checking out. And I think it's going to be, you know, that's not going to be a, everybody loved this movie sort of uh, recommend, but it's, it's, it's very well done. And, and I think has a, a a spot uh, potentially in my, in my top 10 for this year. So check that out. I think it could be a best picture nominee for sure. I think it could too. Yeah, definitely. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Good recommend. It was a, that was one. Have you seen The Rider yet, Brian? I haven't. It's all, it, That's when I'll definitely get to before the end of the year. I, I made my list the other day of like, okay, in an ideal world, what movies would I get through before the end of the year? Gr- having already have seen, you know, like 60 plus movies this year, and then I had like 55 movies on the list. So there's no way that's going to happen, but I'll that the writer is very high on that list. I will definitely make sure that, that I get to that one. I'm excited about it. It, uh, it just won the Gotham Independent Film Award for Best Picture, yeah, yeah, and so that's a big win for for them. But uh, yeah, that one definitely you need to check out before the year ends. Just uh, I think it might might make place or on weekly recommends or on your list if you uh, if you give it a chance. It's still like has stuck with me maybe more than any film I've seen this year. That's saying a lot. So definitely recommend that if anyone hasn't seen it and needs to see it before the end of the year. Um, but mm. I'm going to recommend a documentary. That I finally got around to seeing. It's um, one that had a little run here uh, this past summer and got some good buzz and uh, and good reviews and all that. It's um, Three Identical Strangers. You guys seen this yet? Haven't seen it, but I, I saw it today. I, I wasn't aware of it until today. Oh, really? So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I saw the trailer a bunch of times this summer and just in different movies and going and seeing like uh, – Hearts Beat Loud and some of the more independent movies. Um, it's a big player at the Angelica over the summer. But a uh, really interesting documentary about um, basically three triplets who were separated at birth and then find each other through no, you know, happenstance. This was before social media and, and you can actually find people. It was like in the 1970s and they – you know, two of the brothers ended up going to like the same junior college randomly. Mm-hmm. And and one of them, you know, one of them shows up and like on for his first day, and everybody's like, "I can't believe you came back!" and like treating him like this other guy, and he's like, "What the heck is going on?" He thought everybody was pranking him, you know. But then they were like, "No, you look exactly like this guy who goes here." Like he it's a very small junior college in like New York State. It was like so random that it would even happen that way. But really interesting documentary. It's got some twists and turns in it. It's not cliche at all super interesting real story three identical strangers i think is uh is worth a lot of people's time it might make some lists too for some people but uh that dago mr rogers thing it's like the oh, only yeah. documentary this year that's that might be a best picture or not that'll that i'm putting the money down right now for best documentary will be the uh mr rogers yeah, doc. Yeah. no question yeah um Tough, tough year to great. release a documentary otherwise because you know you're not getting any uh, acclaim when it really oh comes gosh, out. I cried like four times in that thing, that yeah. gummit. I haven't cried that much since the Big Bird documentary. Did you <laughs> see that yet? Man. Yeah, I have seen Ooh. that one. That, that one. Yeah. When, I uh, cried when... so much during the DW documentary from Arthur. Just a documentary <laughs> about you know, the scene DW in the Big Bird doc when like Big Bird's like performing at uh, Jim Henson's funeral is just like, oh my gosh. It's like the most emotional thing. It's like crazy, but so is the Mr. Rogers thing. It's, it's kind of 
in that same vein. But yeah, check that out. Check out Three Identical Strangers. I think it's on demand, and uh, it's worth your time this week. Okay, next week we're talking um, movies about Rob Robin Rob Hood, man. In Hood. Oh, we really? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Can't oh, I can't wait. Nothing opening this week, so I'm super stoked for the apparent horribleness of of Robin. You Hood. don't want to see the possession of Hannah Grace, Brian? No, you can go ahead and do that one. Don't tell me. <laughs> I don't think I even want to do that one, man. That's <laughs> that's intense. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I guess we'll do Robin Hood. That'll be a fun hate watch. I think. I don't know, but hey, yeah. we might love it. I don't know. We might yeah. we might love Jamie Fox as Little John. We'll see. Got okay. It. Um, let's go ahead and close this thing out thank you michael for joining us and being a supporter and for your insight on rocky i'm much more educated now than i was when we started thank you and um, awesome well brian where can we find you on the internet sir you can find me on the twitter bgill12 you can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the madaboutmovies podcast newsletter which i think we'll have one out for december so check for that uh, Richard, what about you? You can find me on all the social media at Richard Bard and Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Michael, do you have any social media you want to give out? Uh, no. I'm on uh, Instagram, Harmacist610, if you want to see pictures of food and beer. <laughs> we got a friend named Stephen Wathlin who will love to follow you. <laughs> all right. Um, thank you so much again. Subscribe, madaboutmoviespodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, tell a friend. If you want more episodes from us, join the VIP club for a dollar a week. We give you at least one, sometimes two episodes a week just on that feed, including the main feed, not including the main feed uh, episodes. So lots going on over there, and uh, it will continue to go on and go down in the VIP. All right. See you next week. We'll talk Robin Hood. Until then, see you at the summer. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face they're making me ya-ya, the silence is scrambled.